So I'm going to have you all stand and just get in a receiving mode because I'm going to speak this scripture over you just as if God himself, which he is doing when he had written it down through his spirit, is speaking it over you. And um, I believe today what's going to happen in this house is God is already here. And as we yield to him, there will be signs and wonders confirming the word of God. There will be um, exaggerated, I don't know what's a good way to say it, just great miracles. Because heaven has touched earth today in this place, if you open yourself up to it. So I'm going to read this over you. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Hallelujah. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn, to give beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may call, be called trees of righteousness the planting of our Lord and he may be glorified and they you you will rebuild the old ruins you will rise up the former desolations and you will repair the ruined cities and the desolation of many generations. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that over you right now. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, I expect a miracle today. Go ahead, tell them. I know you are, and maybe they're not, so they need to hear that from you. You know... When we started Song of Songs last week, one of the things she did is she came to Jesus and she said, smother me with your kisses, with your spirit kisses. And I think some of you just need to get the essence or the breath of God kissed into you and you need to be, just be filled with the Holy Spirit right now. So I just say, God, get him. God, get him right now in the name of Jesus. And as she came, she said, take me into your chamber, into your holy of holies into your heart and I'm going to put that on each of you today that the heart of God just be manifested in this place and in you right now and as she began to cry out for those things all of a sudden what happened is she saw and we do the same thing we see our darkness for when we get in the light of his presence we kind of see ourselves in our flesh and in our sin but then Jesus says to her, he says, I see you as righteous or as the fine linen robes or the fine linen curtains of the holiest of holies. I see you righteous in my eyes. But yet she still has this thing that happens to her. She still gets caught up in hanging around with these angry brothers, these angry religious people, and begins to get so caught up in religion that she's taking care of all the vineyards of everybody else and the vineyards that really don't matter in her life. And she begins to take care of all those things in her own vineyard, her own garden with God, begins to suffer. And that's where we left off last week. So if you could put that um, 
PowerPoint up there, we're going to start with the next verse, which the next verse, I believe, was Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 1, verse 7. It, it is. Okay. And I'm going to start with a joke. And um, Sue, this joke you told us, um, you thought this would never fit spiritually, but I'm going to give this joke because it does fit us spiritually today. But uh, Sue told this joke Friday, so... But these two blondes were walking down the street, giggling and laughing, and uh, they kind of look alike, you know, kind of walking down the street together, giggling. And this person walks by them and says, wow, you must be sisters. And the two of them looked at each other and says, no, we're not even Catholic. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when God tries to you know, get things to us, it kind of like just goes right over our head. And I don't want this to go right over our heads, amen? We don't need to be like those two blondes walking down the street. We need to get the question and, and get what was said to us, amen? And that's only done by the Holy Spirit of the living God because the things that we're, we're talking about last week and again this week are only spiritually discerned. This is way past human understanding. And there's no way you're going to understand it with your own mind. And quit trying to figure it out. Because if you think you can figure out God, let me come and sit with you because you're way farther along than I ever will be. Um, it's not about figuring out God. It's about yielding to his spirit in you and allowing his spirit to mold you and shape you into his image and take you into that place of love and let him love on you. See, God only wants a family. That's all he wants is a family. And that's what this is all about, what we've been studying last week and this week, is that God's love for us and to take us into his family. And he makes us voluntary, or he doesn't make us, but he wants voluntary lovers. So if I was to take Deb and chain her to a chair and hold her and chain her to this chair right here, and every day I'd come and talk with her and sit next to her, how you doing, what's happening, I know you love me, you know, here, here's some food to eat. Oh, you know, and she's chained to the chair. Is she a voluntary lover? God doesn't, <laughs> she said, break every chain. <laughs> God is looking for voluntary lovers, and that's the job of the Holy Spirit in us to woo us, to shape us, to break every chain of, that gets on us. And as we see this going on, she begins to say after she said, you know, my own vineyard's a mess, basically. And then we pick up with this. Won't you tell me? Lover of my soul. She's talking to Jesus, and she's finally getting it. Look at what she calls him, the lover of her soul. Tell me, lover of my soul, where do you feed your flock? See, she was wounded in the killing fields of the church by others. And I know there's many of you and myself, and there's many that won't even come through the doors of a church because they've been hurt by others. See, sheep do bite, um, but it's the shepherd that we need to keep our focus on. It's not the sheep. And we can't be, again, like the two blondes, like they don't get it. Like, I'm offended by the people. Well, it's not the people that you get your eyes on. It's about Jesus. And Jesus, as he puts his heart into you, he teaches you how to love the people, even when they're biting on you. So she says, lover of my soul, where do you feed your flock? She wants to go and find him where his flock is. Where do you lead your beloved ones? 
to rest in the heat of the day, for I wish to be wrapped all around you as I go among the flocks of your under-shepherds. It is you I long for, with no veil between us. And she begins to say, I, I just want you. I want you. Where, where do you feed your flocks at? In the brightness of, of the noonday sun, of the brightness of the day. Come on, in the light of your presence. That's where she wants to go. She wants to go to the place where he is. And she's crying out, my vineyards are a mess. I don't understand what's happening in my life, but I, can, I need to find you. I need more of you. I need to go where you are. And even though I'm around your under-shepherds and around the others, I don't want any veil between us. I want oneness. That should be the desire of all of us. I want to find you, and I want to be where you are. No veil between us. Mm, hallelujah. So in her darkness, she begins to say, I want to find you in your light. She's reaching out to him, and that's what we need to do. It's not about our religious works. It's about us yielding to the power of his spirit in us and a hunger for us for more. Right now, why don't you all just say more, Holy Spirit. More, 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 more Holy Spirit. More, I want more. More Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And what a, a fitting name that she begins to tell him who he is, the shepherd. Mm. We're the one who has a flock. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Whew. I wish to be wrapped all around you. Come on, wouldn't that, that's, wouldn't that be it? To be wrapped and have Jesus so one with you that when people see you, they see the light of Jesus coming through you and flowing through you? That's our destiny and that's our purpose. Whether you feel dark or whether you don't understand, I'm going to tell you that when you receive the spirit kisses of the, of the Holy Spirit and his essence being poured into you, that Holy Spirit is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and that same spirit is in you whether you feel it, whether you think it is, or whether you don't like it, and it's not an it, it's a person. And the spirit of the living God has put all the power that Jesus had, all the power of the Godhead is in you right now. I think the biggest issue with most Christians is they don't get that. Again, like the blondes walking, I won't, I gotta get off of that. But we don't, it goes over our head. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of you. And all of the power of the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. So she's crying out. Go, let's go to the next verse. The next verse here. And listen what the bridegroom king, Jesus, says to her. He says, listen, my radiant one. Well, wait a second. Wouldn't it be, man, you haven't been taking care of your own gardens. What is wrong with you? No. What does he say? Listen, my radiant one. If you ever lose sight of me, just follow in my footsteps where I lead my lovers. Come with your burdens and cares. Come to the place near the sanctuary of my shepherds. There you will find me. I don't get it when people say the church is dead or there's no such thing as I don't have to go to church or I don't have to get involved with the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And where you're going to find him, you're going to find him in the sanctuary 
of his shepherds and under-shepherds. You're going to find him where the sheep are. You are not an island, and you weren't created to be that way. And just because you've been hurt by the sheep that followed the shepherd doesn't give you an excuse to go run away from the flock. He is the shepherd of the flock, and we need to seek the shepherd. And where's the shepherd going to be? He's going to be where the flock is. Come on, you need each other, whether you like it or not. And if you think you're going to go separate yourself off and do your own ministry thing, I see so many people making up their little cards. I'm the apostle of so-and-so, and I got my own little ministry thing going. If your ministry isn't under the, the church, because God works through his church, I'm apostle so-and-so. I got my own thing going. Really? Hmm. I don't want to go there. I'll, we can for a while, but you need to be with the sheep. That's what it's saying here, and that's what the scriptures say. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together, it says in Hebrews, especially as you see that day approaching. So he says, this is where you will find me at. You'll find me where the shepherds are, the sanctuary of the shepherds, where you're going to find the sheep. What a beautiful thing that he says to her. Come with your burdens. Come with your cares. Come. Come to me. Hallelujah. <laughs> what a good shepherd. Amen. And the true prophetic ministry, the voice of Jesus speaking to his bride, the testimony of Jesus, it says in Revelation 19.10, is the spirit of prophecy. And the testimony of Jesus speaking over his bride is, Come with your burdens. Come with your cares. Come to me. Come to me. Let me love on you. That's the testimony of Jesus over you. And it breaks off then the, the, the chains. It breaks off the issues in your life. What you really need right now is a good dose of Jesus, each and every one of us. And it's the answer for every problem. Every problem. Every problem in your life, is the answer is Jesus Christ. Come on. Come on. Somebody's got to get that. And the song of all songs, the song of Solomon, is Jesus singing over you, his love song. Let's go to the next verse. Thank you, Lord. And this is Jesus still talking to, and, and you know, we look at it like, he, she's, I want you to get this. Let's stop for a moment. Look at this as like, this is you in this position. He is talking directly to you because the Bible is a love letter penned directly to you. And this love letter, this song of all songs, is penned for you right now. And he's saying to you, my dearest one, let me tell you how I see you. You are so thrilling to me. To gaze upon you is like looking at one of, oh, no, he's calling her a horse. <laughs> Here, I've got this thing really going, and you guys are getting like, now he's calling her a horse. One of Pharaoh's finest horses, strong, regal steed, pulling his royal chariot. Let me explain this a little bit and explain out of the Hebrew and, and also go into what the Pharaoh horses were all about. First of all, the chariot of the Pharaohs back then were overladen with pure gold so that when the enemy would look on that chariot, they'd be blinded by the brightness of the gold. And when you're connected to the heart of Jesus, 
Come on, what does the chariot, what happens to a chariot when it's connected to the royal steed? It moves. Where you go, the chariot goes. What is he saying here? He's saying, you are attached to my heart. You are connected to my heart. And wherever you go, you take me. Come on, and I'm going to blind the enemies. <laughs> Come on. And we got a mission. You are, and I just see this picture on a cold morning where this horse, this big white steed horse is breathing in that smoke, uh, that vapor like of the cold day is coming out of the nostrils. And that horse is looking, that beautiful steed is saying, I'm ready for battle. I smell spiritual warfare. I'm connected to the chariot of the king. Come on, let's go. Let's go. That's how he sees you. That's the picture there. Connected to the heart of Jesus. Mm, my dearest one. Again, he keeps saying, my dearest one. My, my bride, my, over and over again, he keeps affirming us. He's not here to beat you up. He's not looking for a date. He's looking for an eternal friend and lover. And he just, over and over again, lavishes that love on us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I just praise you, praise you. See, in Philippians 1.6, it says this, that he will, he will complete the work that he's begun in you. Mm, what a picture. What a picture. Let's go on to the next verse. I want to kind of move through, because we got eight chapters ago, so we got to get going. We'll kind of get out of here about four or five, but um, your tender cheeks are a glow. Your earrings and your earrings and gem-laden necklaces set them ablaze. We will enhance your beauty. We will enhance your beauty. What is he saying? It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all involved in enhancing your beauty before him. We will enhance your beauty, encircling you with our golden reins of love. You will be marked. <laughs> wow. You just, you, you're marked with my redeeming grace, and he pours his grace in you. Wow. So let's look again. Cheeks. What happens in cheeks? If I'm laughing, come on, that's our emotions. If I'm sad, in our cheeks or in our face is where our emotions are presented to other people. They can read our emotions by, if we smile or laugh, our cheeks, what's in our cheeks. God created emotions, and I know that some people say, don't get emotional. God created your emotions. God created you to be the way you are. And if they're done properly, and when you allow those emotions to be um, happen under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, emotions are good. I hear in the church all the time, don't let your emotions out. Don't let your feelings out. <laughs> your feelings are part of who you are. Now, you're, if they get negative, they can get kind of nasty, but that's your problem, and that's walking away from the emotions that he gave you, the love emotions. And he, so your tender cheeks are aglow. Your emotions to me are aglow, is what he's saying. And then he says... Your earrings, come on. What goes into the ear? He's saying, basically, I have adorned your ear so you can hear from me. 
spiritual earring. Your ears are beautiful to me. I put my earrings on you. Your ears look lovely to me. Listen to me. I, when I see your ears, I know that your ears are hearing. They're beautiful to me. And he, the gem-laden necklace, come on. In some places, it says a gold-laden necklace. Mm. Back then, only kings had gold. He broke the chains of this world off you. And he puts his gold-laden necklace around your neck. Now, on our necks, did you ever hear this, a stiff-necked person? What happens to our neck? It turns the head, doesn't it? He's saying, I put my gold-laden or my gemstone necklace around your neck. And wherever you turn, come on, because we're turning the head. The head is Jesus, right? You see the picture? You see what he's saying about you? Wow. It's a blaze. Your beauty. The golden reins of love go back to the horse. Come on, the golden reins of love. We're connected to his heart. And I want to, again, I, I got to keep moving here, so I, I don't have, a, I want to spend more time on these, but we're going to just keep going, so. Um, next verse. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can go to, oh, there we go. Now she begins to speak, or us, we begin to speak to him. Again, look at yourself in this position. As the king surrounds me, the sweet fragrance of my praise perfumed awakens, awakened the night. As she begins to praise him, come on, God inhabits the praises of his people. And as our praise offering is broken over him, it begins to just saturate the place with the smell of the anointing oil, the smell of praise gets into his nostrils and into the throne room. The smell of praise, I can smell it right now. I don't know if you can, but I can smell it. Hallelujah. You guys are praising today, and I could smell, actually smell the praise. Smell the anointing as you praise him. God does, and in the spirit realm, when you praise him, he smells it, and it smells sweet to him. Your praise is sweet to God. So as we praise on this earth, him, in heaven we're going to praise him for all eternity, and we're going to do that from a, a heart that's totally uh, having the mind of Christ, and we'll be more mature then. And it says there'll be no tears there, and the praise will be clean and beautiful. But on this earth, when we have our mountains of indecision and our hills of separation and our hurts and heartache, when we praise him out of heartache and out of hurt, what a beautiful sacrifice of praise that is to him. Because there's no heartache and hurt in heaven when we're praising him. What a beautiful praise that is to him. And it smells in heaven a beautiful odor of the anointing. Let that just flow in this place right now. Let their praise just be smelt by you, Father God. Hallelujah. But then she begins to smell something else. Something else begins to take over the smell of her praise, and it's myrrh. And it says, the sachet of myrrh is my lover, like a tied-up bundle of myrrh resting over my heart. All of a sudden, she begins to smell myrrh. What is myrrh? Most of you know 
<laughs> Someone's got their white hand up. Okay. Myrrh is the burial spice. Ooh. What was brought to Jesus by the wise men? Myrrh and frankincense and gold. What was brought to the tomb of Jesus by Mary as she ran there on Easter Sunday morning? Myrrh. Myrrh means the tear of the tree. Jesus was broken, and from that tear of that cross, myrrh began to come forth. And the myrrh smell of the cross began to permeate her praise. And she began to understand and see the cross for what it is. And that bundle, that sachet of myrrh was put upon her chest on each of us as we begin to know and understand the cross. And it says it's a bundle. Come on, what we see, Jesus was bundled, chained up, tied up. Died on a cross for us. Gave himself a living sacrifice for you and for me so that he could have you. He loved you so much that the desire of Jesus was you and always has been and always will be. It's you. And the fragrance of that myrrh is the fragrance of his sacrifice. It's the fragrance of the cross. Sashayed or tied up are all the attributes of Jesus as he lays that cross upon you. His goodness. His mercy. Whoa. <laughs> Come on. His love. All of those things laid across you in your chest on you. Almost like it goes right into your heart. Where's your heart at? <laughs> Come on. And so the smell of myrrh begins to overtake her and overtake this whole scene right now. So as we begin to praise him, our praise becomes a an anointing oil smell before the throne room, but then we begin to see the cross as it really is and what happened, and that begins to overtake us. Hallelujah. That's what he wants to show us. That's where he wants to take us and understand that the tears of the tree were given so they could have you. You are his prize. You are what he wants. And then it says, he's like a bouquet of henna blossoms, Henna plucked near the vines and the fountains of the Lamb. Now, in most Bibles, it says, in the fountains of En Gedi. I will hold him and never let him part. Again, henna is the same root word in Hebrew for kofir. Kofir in Hebrew also means atonement. Hmm. Think about that for a minute. He atoned for you, and the smell of that atonement is all over you. Henna plucked up near the vines of Engedi. You know where Engedi is? Engedi is a an oasis near the desert area in Israel. It's one of the most beautiful oases. In the fountains of the Lamb. Engedi means in Hebrew, it's up there, fountains of the Lamb. We go to the oasis of God, the fountains of the Lamb, and we drink from the fountains of the Lamb. Come on, the Lamb of God. 
and these things begin to take place within us, whether we feel it or not, whether we know it or not, spiritually, this is what's happening in you. Ooh. And we hold him. And we never, never, don't ever let go. Don't ever let go. Thank you, Lord. Let's go on to the next uh, group of verses here. Well, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to try to get through to chapter 8, okay? Because there's no way we're going to finish. So I'm going to go quickly as I can, and then we're going to have some altar time because I truly believe right now that there's an, a miracle anointing in this place, that hearts and minds will be changed, that chains will be broken off people, that there'll be physical as well as spiritual healings that will take place today in this place. And I want to leave as much time for that. Um, remember when she came to him? She didn't ask for a sermon. We really don't need another sermon. We just want the ability to take that veil off us and see the love of God pouring on us as it really is. And so I want to move along because I want him in his love to just saturate you more and more before you leave this place. So in chapter 2, it's time to arise. And by the way, the first four chapters is all about us understanding who he is. and under, it's, a, it's about us, the bride. The last four chapters are about Jesus and how much you really mean to him. So chapter 2, it's time to arise. He comes to her and he says, come, arise, my darling. Come on. The winters, the barren winters of your life are over. The springtime of life has arose around you. Come on. And I'm paraphrasing. And he comes to her and he says, come with me. Come with me to the mountains and hills. Come with me to the dens of the lions and to the lair of the leopards. And we're going to wipe them out, basically. And he's calling her, come, come. Come on, into the Great Commission. This is all of our call into the Great Commission. He's saying, you and I together as one, come, let's go. Let's share this with other people. But what happens to her is she refuses to go. After all this that we've been reading and all these things, she says, you go on without me. I'm not ready. You go take care of these things. I'll be waiting right here for you when you come back, but you go, you go without me. So he goes. What's happened over her so far? First she runs to him and gets filled with the spirit kisses. She goes into the throne room, gets all this stuff. Then she finds out that she's really dark, but Jesus kind of cleans the darkness and says, hey, you're beautiful to me. And then she gets caught up and messes up her vineyards by getting caught up into all kinds of things she shouldn't have been. And that's her fault, not other people's fault. So Jesus kind of lovingly says, hey, come to the place where my shepherds are, where my sheep are. And now he's saying, let's go together. And she's not ready. And she says, go without me. Come on. This is a story of most of our lives. How many times have you rejected Jesus and put your own self first and he's called you into ministry to co-mission with him, to do things with him, touching others with this love. And you kind of said, well, I'm not ready yet. That's for somebody else. God doesn't tell you, hey, I'll wait till you're ready. He grabs you and yokes up with you and says, come, even in your immaturity, let's go. I, I hear that so often. When I'm ready or when I, I do this or that, when I get this area of my life cleaned up, I've heard people even say, when I stop smoking, 
Um, but until then, I can't be used by God. Come on, really? That's not what you're seeing here, is it? He takes us in our immaturity and says, you yoke up with me, and as you yoke up with me and as you walk with me, those things are going to start falling off you because the closer you get to me in my light, the more the darkness leaves you. That's how it goes. It goes by him loving on us, and it comes off that way. It's not a work where I got to get rid of this sin. Oh, I got to get rid of this sin. Oh, I got to get rid of this sin. Oh, I can't get rid of this sin. I don't know why I can't get rid of this sin. I got to get rid of this sin. No, you come in love with me, and my love touching you will wash and continue to wash you in that love, and eventually that sin and that stain just is gone. And so chapter 3 comes, and it's the dark night of separation. She's gone through the valley of the shadow of death. She has separated herself from him. And come on, many of us have been there. And she goes through the dark night of separation, and she gets the lessons of the night seasons, and sometimes it's in the valleys that we get our greatest lessons. And she's hungry now for him. And he comes to her in his unrelenting love with a marriage coach with 60 warring angels around the marriage coach. And, she com and he comes to him, her, I mean, and says, come on in. Not, why didn't you go with me? What's wrong with you? He comes and he invites her into this marriage coach. And the next thing that happens in chapter 4 is her request to go with him is made. And the two become one for all eternity. And the marriage takes place. Whew. Eternal companions. Hallelujah. This is the story of your life. This is the story of your destiny. Chapter 5 begins, and it begins to talk about his splendor, the, the bridegroom king and who he really is. And all his splendor begins to be unraveled, and it begins to be seen in chapter 5. Chapter 6, and she's crying for more of it, by the way, Chapter 6, Jesus is overwhelmed with his bride. He says, just one glance from you, just one look. I can't take it. You are just so beautiful to me. Quit looking at me because you're just overcoming me. This is Jesus saying this to us. Chapter 7, her love is pleasing to the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of God, is, he just lets his heart out and says, how pleasing is love. Our love is to him. He's looking for voluntary lovers. He's looking for a family. And how pleasing. And he makes that known through that whole chapter. Chapter 8, uh, boy, that white doesn't come out too well, does it? The bride begins to intercede for others. And our purpose, our destiny begins to take place in reality. As she begins to intercede and go with him, she begins to touch others for Christ. And the maidens who are following her from afar begin to see it. And as they begin to touch these other maidens, a new Shulamite is raised up, and the journey and the story begins again. And so with her, though, with you, it's the happiest of endings. I'm telling you, I read the book. There's a happy ending for all of us. There's a happy ending for all of us. And that is the key. This is the story, the song of all songs that he wants to sing over your life. This is reality. This is truth. This is what he wants. Now, here's the issue, is you can accept that or you can reject that. 
and it's in your hands. And right now I know, I know that he has so saturated this place with his love, with his heart, that I know that heaven is touching your heart right now and touching this place right now. Let me just uh, wait, because I know what he, he wants to touch some folks today, and I just want to allow him to speak. The person who came in here, and I know it's hard for someone to say, hey, that's me, but the person who came in here with a really issue on their mind, and they were really concerned, they almost didn't come here today because of that issue. has just been tearing them up. You actually lost some sleep last night because of this issue. Um, Come up at, during the altar because I'm going to put my hand on you and the love of God's going to flow through you. But I d you don't need a hand. It's going to happen right now, actually, if you believe it. And that issue is this. Why didn't you give it to me is what Jesus is saying. Could you give it to me right now? And if you give me that issue, I will take care of that for you. Give me that care and give me that burden. And I will take care of it for you. Do you believe me? And if you do, and if that's you, I want you to picture yourself taking that, physically taking that and dumping it at his feet right now. Somebody here needs a healing in their hands. Um, it's either arthritis or carpal tunnel. And there may be a couple of you. Who are those folks? Raise your hand. Which hand is it or both? Put your hands together. I command carpal tunnel, I command this to go in Jesus' name. Gone now, gone. I command carpal tunnel, this pain to go right now in Jesus' name. It's gone. Who else raised their hand? Which hand? Is it a carpal tunnel thing? Fingers? Going numb? Thank you, Lord, that your love and your blood flows through these fingers. These fingers are flowing through the blood of Christ. This pain is gone, the tingling gone in Jesus' name. Any others with hands? Hands? Carpal tunnel, gone in Jesus' name. Numbness gone in Jesus' name. We command it to go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else with arthritis? Sherry, put your hands up. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Both these hands healed. Carpal tunnel, any inflammation is gone. Any pain is gone now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many of you have had an immediate healing right now in your hand? Immediate healing, like right now healing. How many of you are feeling that the love of God is flowing through those right now and is working in those hands? Okay, most of you are raise your hand for that. That's good. Before you leave here t today, I will prophesy that you are healed before you walk out that door totally healed in Jesus' name. Um, back. Somebody's got this, this, not so much the back, but almost a kidney issue, and it's on, well, this would be left. Left side, kidney. Um, who is that? Is there somebody here that has a, a kidney there where their back right here is hurting? Nobody's raising their hand. Come on, I know that somebody's got that. Anyone? Come on, you, it's okay. You know, when these things happen, 
then somebody later comes up and says, yeah, that was me, but I didn't want to raise my hand. You can raise your hand. It's okay. And if you don't want to, I'm going to press prophesy you right over you right now. There it is. Right side? Well, Father, right now, I'm going to just... Healed. Thank you, Lord, that that gallbladder, that that pain be gone, and that your healing is on her right now in the name of Jesus. Somebody here is not getting this, and they're like almost to the point of they're hurt inside. And right now I'm telling you that the veil of the enemy is being removed off of you and that God's love is going to flow through you. He's going to come to you in his love and show himself real to you. You don't have to hear my sermon or a sermon of man that the true love of God is going to reveal that by pulling that veil of darkness off of you. And it will happen within the next day or two. I see it happening quick. Let's, um, let's all stand. Uh, we're going to close, and I'm going to ask Amy to come forward. We're going to have some altar time. Um, and we want this to be sealed in our heart because part of this word, Jesus comes and he says, I want to set myself as a seal on your heart, a fiery seal that seals my love on your heart. And I'm going to pray that on each of you right now, but I want to give each of you some time in the altar time to see the seal of God's love touching you and sealing you for all eternity to be his bride, his companion, his friend. Uh, guys, I know sometimes this bride kiss stuff kind of 